Well, if you have your Bibles for a few moments tonight, I have been drawn to one of my favorite books and probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. That is the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And I want to read beginning with verse verse number 8, and then we'll read down through, um, oh, probably 16 or so, 17. I don't, when I get there, I'll tell you. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, and I want you to underscore two words, not knowing whether he went. Not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Man, what a powerful statement. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 14 says, For they that say such things, one translator said, For they that live this way, everybody say that with me, they that live this way. What way? The way we have just read. People that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. What a statement for God to make about this caliber of people. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And everybody said, Amen. My subject tonight is make it clear. Everybody say that with me. Make it clear. Turn to your neighbor or your wife or your husband and look them in the eye and say, make it clear. Amen. You may be seated. I love the book of Hebrews and I love the 11th chapter because it has so much to say about our life. 
I love to read from different translations, and many years ago, I, I, by uh, part of my reading, I came across chapter 11 in the Amplified Bible, and if you've never read Hebrews 11 in the Amplified Bible, you need to take the time to do it. Such a powerful uh, and clear understanding of what faith does and what it empowers us to do. The word by faith is used over and over in uh, chapter 11, but every time it is used in the Hebrew or in the Greek, there is a different uh, nuance to the verb and and it has a different uh, inflection by faith, empowered by faith, enabled by faith, encouraged by faith. Faith can do so much for us and in us that we must be careful that we do not overlook the power of faith in our life. I do not believe that we can give enough attention or emphasis to the subject of our faith, not just what we believe, but the way we live, how we go about conducting our lives, how we go about living out on a daily basis what we think we believe or what we say we believe. That is really the the total picture of faith. I believe tonight that we ought to be extremely careful of our faith. Because there's great strength in faith and there is a great empowering that comes through simply believing God and holding on to that belief and that confidence even when everything around you is saying contrary to what God has said, you keep holding on to what God said because God's word does not lie And God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, it will come to pass. And even though our present circumstances may say completely different than what God's promises have given to us, I want to encourage you tonight, hold on to God's promise because it will come to pass and God will fulfill his word. Amen. We need to consider the place and the position that faith occupies in our life. The Bible says that we are saved by faith, and we live by faith, and we walk by faith. We can never underestimate the importance of faith in the totality of our life. And we ought to be concerned about our faith. And I say that because I have lived long enough to know that faith can get sick. Just like you get sick, your faith can get sick. You say, I don't believe that, Brother Hughes. Well, go read the book of Psalms. The psalmist said, my foot had almost slipped because everything that I had believed and held dear was being contradicted by what I saw in life. I believe that if you served God and you did the will of God, blessings would come to you. But he said, what I see is the wicked are prospering and the good are being trodden underfoot. His faith had gotten sick. 
And he had gotten to the place where he was ready to give up and go away until he came into the house of the Lord. I want to tell you something tonight, whether you understand it or not. Every time you come to the house of God, you're giving your faith the opportunity to live another day. Because your faith is not going to be strengthened in the world that we live in. The only place your faith is ever going to find the strength to hold on is in the house of God. Amen. Because when you get to his house, God's going to give you a perspective on life that will trump whatever's happening in your life. Somebody said amen. Praise God. We ought to be concerned about our faith and its condition And it can get sick, and we need to take care of our faith. And if we will take care of our faith, our faith will take care of us. Amen. It's the only way to obtain blessings according to the Word. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And when you look at what faith accomplished and what it will accomplish, it is something that we cannot overlook or undervalue. Even those who died without obtaining what they sought, the Bible says that they still sought for it. They only saw it from afar, but there was something so deeply planted in their heart that they would not let go of what God had promised. And in spite of everything that had happened to them on the way, They never lost their vision and their hope. I think it's very important that we understand that life is not going to be perfect. And there's a lot of stuff that happens on the way. Don't let life trip you up. And don't ever get tired of living by faith. Amen. Somebody say, don't ever get tired. Come on, everybody said, don't ever get tired of living by faith. And those in our scripture text that we read concerning, it was evidence in their life that they were going somewhere and they had a faith in God that could not be shaken. And in spite of everything that happened to them, they never lost their vision and they never lost their hope. And because of that, the Bible says of them that they made it clear, they made it plain, that in spite of their lack of apparent success, they chose to hold on to their faith. And they would not go back. Even though they had opportunity to go back, they would not go back. And it was because of that, that one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, I love to read it, it is is written here in Hebrews 11, and it was because they made it clear, they made it unquestionable, that God said, I am not ashamed to be called their God. When I first read that a while back, I I, I got to thinking, you know what? God doesn't identify them or identify with them because they were perfect in their faith. Because the very name Abraham helps you understand that their faith was not perfect. 
Because God gave Abraham a promise that I'm going to bless your seed and it's going to be multiplied. And Abraham took that promise and then tried to do with his own ability what God had promised him he would do. And out of that came a son that has been uh, the source of a lot of trouble in our world. Isaac and Ishmael, they're still fighting. And they're still at war with one another. And all of that came about because Abraham decided to take into his own hands the outcome, how it was all going to work out. And he produced a son that was not to be the heir of promise And out of that came a lot of frustration. If you read the life of Abraham, he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees to follow the Lord and go to this promised land. But when he got there, there was a famine in the land. And the Bible doesn't say he prayed or sought the will of God, but he turned and went down to Egypt. Now here's this man that is put in the line of faith, the hero of faith. And we stand here and we read and hear him saying to his own wife, when we get to Egypt, don't tell him you're my wife. Tell him you're my sister. Because if you tell him you're my wife, he will take you away from me. And so he lies. And he gets his wife to lie. And he gets in trouble down in Egypt. All of that is Abraham. He was not perfect. I look at Jacob and I think about what a conniving a weasel of a man he was in his beginning how he lied and cheated his own brother out of the birthright because he wanted it so desperately so when i read about men like that i realize that god did not identify with them because their faith was perfect he didn't identify them because they did everything right He didn't identify with them because of the amount of their faith. You know, that's always been a source of trouble with a lot of people. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, Brother Hughes, I think the reason that God hasn't answered my prayers is because I don't have enough faith. I'm here to tell you tonight that God does not identify with me because of the amount of my faith. God identifies with me because I will not go back on my faith. That when I take the promise of God, no matter what the circumstances around me say, there's something in my soul that says it may not come today and it may not come tomorrow, but it will come and so I'm going to hold on to my faith. God does not identify with me because my faith is perfect. He doesn't identify with me because I do everything right. He doesn't identify with me because of the amount of faith that I have in my life. He identifies with them because of one reason. They had opportunity to go back, but they chose to stay with the promise. And I've come to tell Greater Life Church tonight, don't let circumstances rob you of what God has promised you and what God has put in your heart. And God said, if you'll hold on to that and you will not go back from that, I am not ashamed to be called your God. My Lord, what a powerful, powerful word from God. 
Amen. It was because they would not go back. The Bible says truly if they had been mindful, which leads me to the understanding that they had opportunity to do it. They had opportunities to quit. They had opportunities to go back. Not only did they have opportunities to do it, but they were tempted, no doubt, to go back. But every time that temptation would stick up its head, they would reach out and take hold of that promise with a stronger grip and say, No, I'm not going back. I'm going on. If God said it, He's going to do it. If God promised it, He's going to bring it to pass. I don't know how many times I've stood before this congregation and told you that if God gave you a promise, don't ever let it go. Some of you have promises from God about your children, about your family, about your future. And right now when you look around, it doesn't look like anything God's promised you is going to come to pass. But God said if you'll hang on to that, if you'll not let your faith go, if you won't turn away from that, I will identify with you. I will not be ashamed to be called your God. Amen. Praise God. How many turned back in the hour of test and trial? How many go back when the going gets tough? I'm afraid we are plagued right now in our world with a lot of giving up. People are giving up on their marriages. They are giving up on life. They are giving up on living for God because they've run up against something they can't explain and they don't understand. I've lived long enough to know this much about God. God does not always give an explanation for why He allows certain things to come into my life. I remind you that even the the Lord Jesus Christ Himself hanging on a cross asked the question why. And as far as I know, I've never found in the Bible where God ever answered that question. So that tells me that if He could live with an unanswered question, then I can live with some unanswered question. But I'm not going to come down. I'm not going to turn back. And I'm not going to let go because God said if you'll hang on to the promise, I will identify with you and I will bring it to pass. Somebody say hallelujah. God is looking for some people tonight that will make it clear where they stand and what they believe and who they are. I believe it's ever more needed in our hour than any other time in my entire life that we make it clear. I am going to be a man or a woman of faith. I don't care if everything in my life turns upside down tonight and everything around me goes to pot. I don't care what happens to the economy or to our government. God is in control of my life. And God is in control of my destiny. And He is in control of my children's life because I laid them in His hands as babies and said, Lord, I dedicate these kids to You. And I don't believe anything that I put in His hand is ever going to fall from that hand. And if I committed it to Him, He said, I will keep that which You have committed to me against that day. 
Come on, somebody. Hold on to your faith. Some of you are a little weary tonight because you've been butting up against some things that just won't move and everything around you is crying out, you're a fool, you're a failure, you're a mistake, you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough strength, you don't have enough knowledge, you don't have enough wisdom. I don't care what it is that you lack. God doesn't identify you because of your weakness. God identifies with them because of one thing. They said we might have the opportunity to go back, but we're not. We could turn around right now and go home, but we've decided to stay with him. God said, that's the kind of person I want on my side. That's the kind of person I'm going to identify with. That's the kind of man or woman I'm going to live with. The one who will not go back, that will make it clear. Amen. They will make it clear. I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't care what the Supreme Court rules. I don't care what they approve or disapprove. I don't care if they make nudity a possibility. You just go down the streets of the city without a stitch of clothes. That doesn't mean I'm going to go down the streets dressed or undressed like that. I don't care what the government decide. What I made up my mind a long time ago was he was going to be the one that governs my life, and I'm not going to go back on that now. And I'm here to tell you that the greatest revival the church has ever known is on the horizon because there's some people that are not afraid to make it clear who they are and what they are and what they believe and where they stand. And when you will stand up and identify with him, he will stand up and identify with you. Come on, clap your hands and praise him right now. Amen, amen. I have to ask myself the question tonight. What is my life saying about what I believe? What is my life saying about what I believe? The way that I'm living right now. The way that I'm talking. You know, I've discovered something about people. That if I listen to them just a little bit, I can pretty well figure out what their problems are. It doesn't take a long time to figure out what's wrong with somebody. Just listen to their conversation. Listen to how they talk. Listen to what they say. And if every other word is can't and won't and don't and will not, you know already what their problem is. It's not whether God can or cannot. There's a problem in their own mind. You need to learn how to speak faith. I say not just being pie in the sky by and by, but speaking the Word of God and standing on that Word and saying, I don't care what the circumstances say, and I don't care what it looks like right now. This is what God said, and this is where I stand. And when I make that kind of stand, and when I make it clear the way of life that I am going to live, it's going to affect my vocabulary. It's going to affect the way I talk. It's going to affect the things that I talk about. The way that I react to life has a lot to say with what I believe. Amen. Amen. The way I react to life, the way I react to frustrations says a lot about what I believe. There's some folks, every time there's a hiccup in their life, they backslide. 
Every time they have a hiccup in life, they move to the back row or they don't come to church or they, they quit worshiping, they quit praying, they get a sour attitude and a sour mind. You don't even want to be around them because they stink. Amen. You know what I'm saying. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. You, it just, it, it, it's not something that you want to be around because they let frustrations become the dictator and the determiner of their life. You know what I have figured out? Life is frustrating just living it and trying to get through it because you have to live with a lot of turkeys around you. Amen. But whatever you have to live around, the fact is I'm not going to let frustrations determine my destiny and I'm certainly not going to let frustrations make me let go of what I believe and what I've held dear. I may not understand it, but God does and that's good enough for me. I don't have to know all the answers and I don't have to have everything made clear to me. I just want to make something clear to Him. I'm not going back. I'm not letting go. I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. The way that I react to unfulfilled dreams and desires. You know, there's some folks I've heard. I had someone not too long ago said, you know what? I'm going to pray for this one more time. And if God doesn't do this, and they told me what they were going to do. And all I could do was just shake my head and say, you know what? You ought to make up in your mind whether God, if he never does that in this life, doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Amen. Because God's going to keep his promise. He's going to keep his word. And you're going to find the will of God fulfilled in your life if you'll hold on. But there's a lot of folks that are giving up because of unfulfilled desires. Well, you know, Brother Hughes, I've lived for God all these years. I've never done this. I've never done that. I've been faithful. You would think God would want to bless that kind of life. And here I am. I am battling more battles today. I am having more assaults on my faith today. I have felt more pressure on my life over the last few months than I've ever felt in my entire Christian experience Join the parade. It's not just you. It's everybody. It, but, but hear me tonight. It doesn't matter how much pressure you feel on you. You've got to make it clear. This is what I am. I am a man of faith. I am a believer. And I will not go back. I don't care what science says. I don't care what the psychologists say. I don't care what the so-called elite say. I don't care what the educated say. If the Lord says differently, I choose to believe the word of the Lord. Amen. Going back is a temptation not just to the weak. It's to everybody. The thought of going back doesn't come just to those who are struggling. It comes, and it is a very real issue of people of faith. And there are three things that I have discovered that will work to try and take you back. One of them is your mind and your thought life. What you allow yourself to meditate on. You know what I figured out? If I let my mind go, it can talk me into a grave. Amen. It can talk me into ailments that don't even exist. 
It can convince me that life is over and I'm going to die. I, I read the story many years ago about a, a man who was hoboing through America and he decided one night to get on a particular train that was headed out of town. And when he went to get in, he, after he got in, he realized that it was a refrigerated car. But it didn't worry him because he, he knew that most often they would leave the doors open on some of those because there was nothing inside. But to his amazement, somebody came by right before it left the, and they closed the doors. And in his, in his mind, he realized it, it's over. By the time this train gets to its location, I'm going to be dead. I'll be frozen to death because it's going to go down to a temperature. My body can't resist it. And it was a long journey. It was taking across the land. And sure enough, when they got to their location, they came through and started opening the doors back up. They found this man dead. Now, you can believe that or not, but the fact is, they said he was dead. When they started investigating, they found that he died of hypothermia or whatever it is. What, what, is that what you do when you get too cold? And so they started doing their investigation and they asked, how, how, how low did you turn the temperature in that car? And they said, what do you mean? They said, well, this man that, that we got out of that car that died, he died from, uh, from hypothermia. They said, we never turned that refrigerator on. You say, really, I don't believe that. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've lived long enough to know that your mind can play a lot of dirty tricks on you. It can make you feel like you're dying. It can make you feel like everybody in the world's against you. Nobody loves you. Everybody hates you. They, everybody's talking about you. And the truth is, there's not even by saying anything about you. But your mind, that's where people are tempted to go back. Your mind can start working on you, and you need to be careful that you guard your mind. I read something or, or, or was told something about a survivalist. They, they, they asked a question in a survival uh, uh, class. Uh, if you had one piece of clothing that you could wear uh, in, a, in a very cold environment, what would be the one piece of clothing that you would need that would do more to help you keep from dying in cold than anything else. And people started saying, well, I would want a heavy jacket. And somebody said, well, I would want thermals. And another one said something else. And when they'd all gotten through with their observations of what they thought would be the best piece of clothing, the guy said, the fact is that you could be stark naked but have a hat on your head and have a greater chance of survival than a person who has uh, uh, all of that other stuff on because 80% of your heat is lost through your head. So you could have a toboggan on and no clothes and have a better chance of survival than a man who had on the heaviest jacket that could be found. What am I saying? I'm saying you better learn how to protect your mind. It doesn't matter what anything else says or anybody else. If you don't protect your mind, that's where the enemy comes to attack your soul. When he came to Eve in the garden, he came working on her mind. And when he got working on her mind, once he got through working on her mind, she did whatever was contrary to what God had said. 
And she'd never, I don't know that she'd ever met that serpent before, but whatever was the influence of her mind, you better make sure you guard your mind because the protection of your mind is the greatest source of your salvation. Keep your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Be renewed in your mind. There's something that needs to be said tonight about the renewing of our mind. Because if you're ever going to turn back, it's going to start right here. Before your body ever makes a move, it'll start in your thought processes. And then it'll start showing up in the things you say. And the next thing you know, it will be seen in the things that you do. Everybody say, my mind. I need to protect my mind. I need a covering over my mind. No wonder he talked about the helmet of salvation. If you want to be saved, you better keep your mind. That'll keep you from going back. The second thing that will work on you to try to get you to go back is patience. My Lord, have mercy. Patience. Everybody say patience. We don't have any of it anymore. It's all gone. We want it now. Actually, we wanted it yesterday. And God just doesn't work like that. He's not Whataburger. You can have it your way. And he's not a McDonald's where you can drive up to one little box and speak to that little person and then move up to a window and have everything you requested that quick. God didn't operate that way. There's a lot of things that it takes a lot of patience to receive. And God's trying to help us, not just teach us patience, but help us learn that in your patience, what did he say? Possess ye your soul. Patience. It's when we get impatient. It's when we get to the place that we start moving ahead of God and trying to be God and trying to think like God, that we get ourselves in trouble. Patience. Everybody say patience. I need to be patient. I need to let the Spirit of God work on me to slow me down to His pace because His pace is certainly the best pace for my life. And the last but not least of ways in which the devil will come to try to trick you or convince you to go back is through your vision. If you ever lose sight of where you're going, of what the ultimate goal is, you will be tempted to go back. God, help me to never let my eyes stray from that goal. Amen. I heard it as a child. People would stand and testify, and I heard it over and over. Pray for me that I will make heaven my home. Anybody ever hear that prayer request? Pray for me that I will make. What are they saying? They were saying to me that I want to get heaven so clear in my mind and in my thinking and in my vision that nothing that happens in life will deter me from that desire. I want to be saved. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what I have to go through. I just want to be saved. Anybody feel that way tonight? Amen.
Whatever I've got to do, whatever sacrifice I've got to make, however I need to live, I just want to make it clear, God, I'm not going back. I know that you don't have a scorecard out and I know that you're not keeping up with the level of my faith because it comes and goes, it rises and falls. But when you see a man that no matter how weak his faith is, he said, I'm still not going back. God said, that's the man I'm standing with. That's the, that's the woman I'm walking with. I'm not ashamed to be called their God because they will not go back. My question to you tonight is, what is your life saying about what you believe? Make it clear. Make it unmistakable. God, I'm not going back. I'm not turning around, and I'm not letting go, and I'm not giving up. I'm going on. Let's stand together.